People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 527. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. Pam isn't here this week. Where is she? Up in Portland. Portland, Pam. Oh, yeah. For her birthday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday, Pam. When you put this happy birthday, Pam note in the doc, I was like, she knows that Pam's not on the episode today, right? (laughs) Yeah, I knew. I mean, I will admit until yesterday, I forgot. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. (laughs) She's not on. (laughs) But it's not just Laura and me this week. We are joined by one of our Bay patrons, Jemima. Hi, Jemima. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Thanks. How are you guys? Doing great. You are Australian. Yes. However, you've been traveling around the world for the past few months, right? Yeah. For the last, I think, four months, I've been in Europe, um, just sort of backpacking around and kind of just going wherever I feel like going. Are you on the run or? Yeah, um, this isn't my real name. I've assumed a fake identity. Cool. Well, we're (laughs) going to talk to you about what you've been up to later in today's episode because it's it's interesting and inspiring and something I would love to do one day. I'm very envious of what you've got going on right now. But we do have plenty else to discuss on today's episode. First of all, I just want to start with an apology Last week, I made a recommendation for everybody to watch the new season of Queer Eye. Do either of you watch Queer Eye? Not really. No, I haven't watched one episode yet. I know this makes me a massive disappointment. Uh, A massive homophobe, actually. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's how that works. Don't watch Queer Eye. You're a homophobe. Yeah, yeah, it's a hate (laughs) crime, Laura. You have to watch. (laughs) I recommended specifically episode two. I was like, oh, my gosh, everybody needs to watch season four, episode two. You won't believe the twist. I was shaken by it. I'm still not over it. Well, so I guess I raised everybody's expectations up too high. The subject of the episode, um, he meets the man who shot him which permanently paralyzed him. And I was shocked that one of the Fab Five would actually ask him to meet the guy who tried to murder him. And so that's why I was so shaken by this episode. And, and so, like, just I just couldn't believe it. Well, every everybody that I've heard from so far who has seen the episode is not surprised by it. So sorry, I guess. I thought it was a big deal to meet the guy who tried to kill you, but... Apparently, that's just something that happens every day. Yeah, that is odd. Although I will say I could sense the disappointment in all of your replies yeah. on Twitter. I wanted <laughs> everybody to like, be as enthralled as I was. Yeah, and people were replying to you like, yeah, what's the big deal? So? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's the big deal, Andrew? <laughs> he met the guy who tried to kill him. So what? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess that happens all the time. I'm sorry, everybody. It's because we're so inundated by true crime documentaries these days that people are just, you know, they're desensitized to it. That's the problem. That's the freaking problem. We've all met our almost murderers at this point. Come on. (laughs) I, you know, if uh, Karamo on Queer Eye asked me if I would like to meet the the person who tried to kill me, I would have said, Karamo, I don't care if you're doing this to help viewership or whatever. I'm not doing that. Sorry, you can go meet him. (laughs) 
but I'm not. He tried to kill me, Karamo. <laughs> and in this episode, they like make up. What? No fucking way. Am I making up with the guy who tried to kill me? Yeah, nah. Wow. Speaking of other big news, I guess we do have the Mueller testimony later this week on Wednesday. Um, Trump is already shaking in his boots, it seems, about this. And he's reportedly saying that it's going to be bad for him. So we're going to make that call on whether or not the testimony was bad for Donnie. You'll be able to tune in for our breaking news benefit on Wednesday evening at the $10 patron level. It's going to be great. You think, Laura, it's going to be bad for him because people who are Team Trump are going to be hearing from Mueller directly for the first time, right? Yes. So this is, I don't know. It's a yes and no situation. Do I think that it's actually going to hurt his numbers any worse than they are right now or have any kind of discernible discernible like impact on the 2020 election? I'm not sure. But I do think, like you said, Andrew, this is going to be the first time that a lot of Fox News viewers are hearing anything negative come out of the Mueller report. Exactly. And I think that will be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch live yet. I don't know if I oh, want I to. Am. You are? Oh, I will. Have some popcorn ready and some mm-hmm. alcohol. C-SPAN all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Jemima, I know you, you really follow pop culture, right? You used to work for BuzzFeed, and I think you wrote a lot of pop culture content for them, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, mainly... Yeah, music, movies, TV, that sort of stuff. A bit of Australian content, obviously. But yeah, mainly global mm-hmm. entertainment. Have you ever been to Comic-Con? San Diego Comic-Con? No, I haven't. I feel like that would be a pretty cool thing to go to. We have like an Australian version called Supernova. Um, I went to one year, which was good, but it was very like sort of D-rate kind of stuff compared to what um, San Diego Comic-Con is. Yeah. San Diego Comic-Con is the the Comic-Con to end all Comic-Con. That's Comic-Cons. That's where all the big announcements are made. Case in point, Marvel had a presentation on Saturday night, and nobody knew what to expect, actually. In hindsight, it seems so silly, but nobody knew what was going to happen at this panel. We weren't sure if they were going to be talking about any of their films because Avengers just ended, so we're kind of in this lull right now. Anyway, Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel, he's kind of the mastermind behind Marvel's success over the past decade or two. He comes out on stage, and within moments, uh, it became clear that right then and there, they were going to unveil Phase 4 of the Marvel slate, which is a huge deal. Phase 3 ended with Avengers Endgame, so of course the big question is what now? What direction are they going to take? And they announced project after project. I'm going to go through this. I want you two to tell me if you know these comic franchises, these characters. And we're going to go in order of uh, their reveals in Hall H. So they actually started with the movie coming out November 6th, 2020, Eternals. Either of you hear of Eternals before? No. Nope. Okay, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, huh, okay, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it was funny because I only heard about it because Mark talked about it a little bit, and his sort of reaction to that was, yeah, and they announced Eternals, which, like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm not sure that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah. 
cool cast. Richard Madden, mm-hmm. Salma Hayek. Okay, so next, and this was a big deal. Fall 2020, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is a Disney Plus TV series. Anthony Mackie, Seb- Sebastian Stan, Daniel Brühl. Now, here's the big deal about this. This is the first time that Marvel is putting TV shows into one of their phase slates. They have done these phase, you know, phase one, two, three unveilings before, and they never mentioned television shows. They've kind of sat on the outside. They kind of touch on the, the TV shows kind of touch on what's happening in the movies. For example, the snapping, um, you know, Thanos, <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D plays into that a little bit but it shield and agent carter and these other marvel shows we saw on netflix they've never really connected to the movies so now these disney plus exclusive series are going to be part of phase four and that's a huge deal because now you have to sign up for disney plus and pay six seven bucks a month to get the complete phase four story it's brilliant. Yeah, it is. And honestly, I am super stoked for a, well, I guess he's not Falcon anymore, a Captain America and Winter Soldier show. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is going to be really fun. That was the one that stood out to me the most of everything that was announced. Because mm-hmm. um, kind of like you said, Andrew, I don't have a ton of reference for the other characters. Yeah. Like Wanda's getting her own show. Right. It looks like, which is cool. I'll be excited to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from that, I'm kind of going in blind when it comes to a couple of these others. That said, though, I feel like Marvel's done a really good job bringing um, sort of these like lesser known characters to the forefront. Like, look at what they did with the Guardians. Yeah. They did such a great job with that that I have no doubt they'll be able to pull it off with these these other characters. Yeah. And I already know that we're getting Disney Plus because... <laughs> We're like splitting our streaming services. So like I'm going to handle Netflix and Spotify, I think. And I think Mark's going to do Disney Plus and Hulu or something. Mm -hmm. So we got it covered. Yeah. So speaking of the franchises that are less known, the next one that was announced was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is going to actually have Aquafina in it, which is pretty cool. She's pretty well known right now. I love her. Mm, yeah. They're great. And then WandaVision was next, and that's a Disney Plus series. Loki is getting his own Disney Plus TV series. Tom Hiddleston is returning, and that is set post-Avengers 2012. So that'll be pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. And then the first movie that they announced that was actually recognizable was a, a sequel to Doctor Strange. It's going to be, uh, it's going to have a horror gothic vibe, which is actually pretty interesting, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, another TV show called What If, that that spins the, the comics on their heads. It's going to be an animated series, which is interesting. Hawkeye is getting his own Marvel series. Thor, uh, Thor 4, it's called Love and Thunder, which that <laughs> title is It fantastic. sounds like a porno. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie Portman is going to play Lady Thor, female Thor, which is pretty interesting. And then the final project they announced, and this is this movie's coming out first, is Black Widow, the movie that's coming out May 1st, 2020. So Black Widow finally getting her own film. After she dies. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. And uh, Blade, actually. That was the the one more thing of the Marvel event. Yeah, Mahershala Ali is so perfect. 
for yeah. that role. I'm stoked. I loved the original Blade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jemima, of these, which are you most interested in? Honestly, I am not a Marvel fan. I don't think I've... Okay, I watched the one with Brie Larson. Captain Marvel? Yes, I watched that just because she was in it. And I was like, okay, I'll go see that. But other than that, I don't think I've seen any... Oh, no, I saw really? two because I love Taika Waititi. Or was that for mm-hmm. three? Either one. I saw that. And other than that, I haven't really seen... So you're just not a comic person? Yeah, comic I mean, movie person at least yeah i just can't get into it. it i i go in and i watch these movies and it's just all action all the time and my brain just cannot handle it like it's just too mm-hmm. much it's like overstimulation but um i think i'll probably see like the one with natalie portman that sounds pretty cool um mm-hmm. it just seems like so much work to be a marvel fan you've got to watch all these tv shows all these movies you've got to remember all these timelines it's like that's right exhausting. You know, I, I've seen, I think, pretty much every Marvel movie to date. And yeah, there is a lot of information. And I feel like I don't fully appreciate them because I don't get every single little reference, especially in the after credit scenes. A lot of that is like inside baseball that you might not really understand. But the movies are still so funny. Like Spider-Man Far From Home. That was freaking funny. I am always mm-hmm. entertained at these movies. Yeah, and I feel like, too, these movies do a really good job of including enough sort of like insider details for the super fans, um, but being relatable enough for a general audience. Like, I know when I see these movies with my super Marvel friends, there will be points where something happens and they'll all like gasp or start laughing. And I have no idea. Right. You just, just look around nervously. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just pretend that I know and that I'm cool. Um, <laughs> but but then like the moment passes so quickly and I'm right back in the enjoyment of it. That said, I do agree with you. The the universe is so big at this point. Um, I can see why if you're coming into it now and you're starting with it now, it would seem kind of kind of intimidating. Um, but for that, we actually have an MCU guide on our Patreon yeah. that Mark made for us a few months ago. So I would recommend checking that out. I, I I did think about it just before the last Avengers film came out. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do it. Like my colleague was a huge Marvel fan and was always talking about these movies. And I was like, all right, I've got like a couple of months. Maybe I can watch them. And then I just like never got around to it. And then my, my time frame was shortening with every week that passed. And I was like, this isn't yeah. going to happen. I'm just going to give up. And you know, I was going to sit here today actually and say that this is a risky slate because these are primarily unknown names, but really it's only two Eternals and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And I think with each phase, Marvel's plan is probably to introduce a couple of entirely new franchises that of course can have multiple movies kevin feige did say that black panther 2 guardians of galaxy 3 uh fantastic 4 and captain marvel 2 are all in the works so i'm sure more phase 4 announcements are still coming but um yeah so it was i mean this is marvel knows how to blow the lid off of san diego comic-con i've been at some of their panels honestly some of the most exciting fandom moments of my life um one a few years ago tom hiddleston came out in full loki character in the gear in the personality and he had the crowd in the palm of his hand it was just electric in there 
And Marvel really knows how to make a moment. And this was probably the big event at San Diego Comic-Con, unsurprisingly. So Jared and Megan on Patreon, they both asked us to talk about this. Jared also said, what I'm worried about and would love y'all's thoughts on is that these new shows will not follow suit with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I'll have to pay for Disney Plus to get the full MCU experience. Yeah, Jared, sorry. You're going to have to pay. Well, I guess it depends on if Disney is going to be cool with people sharing logins. You mm-hmm. know, kind of like, kinda like HBO is. Like, remember a few years ago when I don't even know who the CEO of HBO is, but he was literally like, I don't care. Share your yeah. logins with your friends. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I bet there's going to be some sort of limit on how many people can watch simultaneously. Sort of like Netflix mm-hmm. and Spotify and... I don't, yeah, I guess HBO still doesn't have any limits. Now that Game of Thrones is over, they might start cracking down. They're going to probably get a little desperate. I've been borrowing an HBO account for a number of years at this point and have never had a problem. I guess that's still better than people pirating it because they can always track where you're watching from and maybe get a little more info about you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what what happened with Marvel at SDCC. I thought it was uh, pretty exciting. I was being pulled in two directions pat and i were watching downton abbey while we were oh shit now that i've brought it up i can't recommend it fuck i just broke my own rule that i established last week sucks to suck doesn't it forget it i'm editing that out (laughs) no that's cheating (laughs) forget the story i was just about to tell all right well We do have a little more Disney talk coming up, but first we wanted to hear from one of our sponsors, BioClarity. BioClarity comes with everything you need to get clear, glowing skin and is one of those brands that just works. Their skincare line offers easy-to-use regimens with good-for-you ingredients that will give you great skin. I've been using BioClarity for about a year and a half at this point, and I swear by it. I used to struggle with clogged pores and blackheads in my T-zone, but after I started using the essentials routine from BioClarity for normal to dry skin, my face is smoother, clearer, and brighter. As I mentioned, I use the essentials routine. It comes with everything you need to nurture, hydrate, and restore your skin because it's packed full of detoxifying and calming nutrients, antioxidants, and a super special ingredient called Floralux, which is derived from plants. You can only find Floralux in BioClarity. It's absolutely more than just a cleanser. It nourishes and soothes the skin. It also helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evens out skin tone and texture for a healthy glow. All this in three easy steps, cleanse, restore, and hydrate. My combination oily dry skin loves the hydrate step of this routine because it's like a green smoothie for my face. These products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free. On top of that, BioClarity offers a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. Get healthier, more radiant skin by going to bioclarity.com. And right now, for our listeners, you'll save 40% on skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal, but you need to enter our code MIL at checkout. So go to bioclarity.com and get 40% off skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website when you use our code MIL at checkout. I have been very appreciative of BioClarity recently. I've had a couple of big breakouts recently on my face 
I think because of the warmer summer months and mm-hmm. I just I've just been bathing in bioclarity and it's really gotten it under control. <laughs> Definitely. You fell oh. off of it for a while, didn't you, Andrew? I did a little. Well, what happens is I take it for granted. I'm like, oh, my face is clear. I'm good. It's over. My 20 year fight with acne is over. And then it comes back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I will say recently I've gotten to the point where I've been going makeup free a couple of days of week just because it really has helped tone down the redness in my skin. So I'm a big fan. A lot of people were and were not big fans of the not live action, but reimagining of The Lion King. Disney released it last week. It is the biggest opening for a Disney reimagining yet. It was also the biggest July opening ever. It beat out Deathly Hallows Part 2. That film still was holding the record for July. That surprised me <laughs> that it held on for so long. Laura and Jemima haven't seen it yet, but it was it was I I saw it with Pat. It was fine. It was a shot for shot remake. It had some good new humor in it. A couple of the comedians in it were super funny. It had a really big reference to another Disney classic, which I thought was like, it felt like you were going through the looking glass, pun not intended. Um, it was it was pretty funny to uh, for them to do that. But it looked so real that the animals don't emote. And the best example I can give is Simba. He finds out his father has died. Zero emotion on his face. It's like you're watching a nature documentary. And this was the big appeal of The Lion King reimagining originally. John Favreau was talking about how high tech and beautiful it's going to be. And that's great. But if the animals aren't showing emotion in their face, this has been de-Disney-fied. It, it's just kind of boring. And it's just at this point, especially with The Lion King, because it did feel less Disney because of how photorealistic it looked, it's just impossible for me to see past the fact that these are cash grabs. It's just what they are. And there's no freaking way a kid would prefer this version over the animated version. So instead of attempting to breathe new life into old movies this way, how about figuring out a way to get kids to watch the originals? Because that's the ones they're actually going to love. And then they'll go back to the theme park and buy all the Lion King merchandise. I just... I, I'm just kind of frustrated this, at this point with their reimaginings. It'd be, it, it'd be a different story if they added something to The Lion King in some way, but they don't add anything. They don't, they don't have anything extra to say. At least with Aladdin, it was still super whimsical and fun, and uh, they did add a big new song. Of course, Beyonce was in The Lion King. She did write a new song called Spirit, which is really good. But they wedged it into The Lion King, and it's like a fraction of the full-length song. So it just feels very forced in there. Interesting. I mean, like you said, Andrew, I haven't seen it. But something that I did hear in terms of like good critical reception is the amount of like African themes that are interspersed yes. in the film. It's, it seems like, and from what I've been told, it seems like the creators took great care to remind the audience that, hey, this does take place in Africa. Definitely. In fact, so, Beyonce got to curate a whole other album, which respects African culture and pays tribute to African culture, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I've also heard the feedback that it's literally like I could have put in the animated version and basically gotten the same experience. Yeah. And you get um, these 
big facial reactions, these big movements. Which is too bad because I actually really quite liked the reimagining of the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with a couple of exceptions, I, I will die on this hill. I hated the singing in the Jungle Book. I was like, if you're going for realism and like real animals, why do they need to sing? I don't I don't and why would you make Christopher Walken King Louie like I'm still so upset about that I liked that I thought he was good as King Louie no god he's so just like every time I hear his voice or see his face I just like vomit in my mouth yeah but apart from that I loved that movie I thought it was so well done and it did loosely follow the story from the animated film but it also drew a lot from the original jungle book story mm-hmm. which was nice so it varied it up a little bit and it sounds like the lion king could have done uh better to like try and m- be a little more original in its approach yeah it's too bad i was looking forward to it because it looked so pretty in the trailers well you still should i think like the music is good the- be prepared is probably the one song that they've really ruined. Like it's it's shorter, no! it's less grand. Yeah. That okay, that makes me really sad because that's one of my favorite songs. Like not just in The Lion King, just in general. Be um, prepared. I, <laughs> I love Scar. <laughs> You're I love sick. Him. I know. I love him as a character. And <laughs> I <laughs> I love that song. Sometimes when I'm driving in Atlanta traffic and I'm really pissed off because people are being dumb, I will blast that song like the original Jeremy Irons one uh-huh. and I'll sing along with it. I'm That makes me very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Jemima, what do you think of this? I know you haven't seen the movie, but I, I, I know you have a couple thoughts on it. Yeah, I... I don't know, when, especially when the trailer for this dropped whenever it was last year and everyone got so excited. I was I just could not understand why people were so keen for this. Maybe it's because I didn't really, I didn't watch the original one growing up, so I don't have that nostalgia tied to it. But I just don't get the draw of like watching fake lions talk to each other if it's not animation. Like I can understand all the princess remakes because they're remaking it with real people because they're real like human characters and even little mermaid i can understand that but this i just i don't want to watch lions like fake talk to each other i'll just go watch a david attenborough documentary or something (laughs) no but you're right that's a good point because they do look so real you're like wait what why they're talking to each other that's that's a little strange and in fact i was experiencing that feeling while watching this movie and you add on the fact that they aren't emoting and it just looks like badly created robots. <laughs> Do you think it would have worked better if they had given it like the homeward bound treatment instead of like CGIing these things to make it look like they were talking, just use real animals, but then just have actors do voiceovers? <laughs> totally, yeah. To <laughs> do you think they can train lions to do that to some extent? I mean, they tra- They had a mountain lion in Homeward Bound. <laughs> mm. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. So Lion King is at 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. That that means it's rotten. So kind of embarrassing for Disney. The audience score is a lot more positive, 89%. I know the uh, cinema score was pretty pretty good too. I I kind of wonder if this is going to give Disney a little pause. I doubt it though. I I just wonder what they're going to do once they finish remaking all these movies. Like they are really leaning into this strategy right now. Aladdin only came out 2 months ago. 
and why did Lion King and Aladdin have to come out so close to one another? Now I think the the next one is Mulan, and that's not till next year. So now there's quite a bit of time. But mm. so you really like Jungle Book, Jemima? Have you watched any of these reimaginings that you really like? I've watched most of them. I don't think there's any that I really liked, just because I love the cartoons. Especially, I really like. I never really watched the classic Disney stuff growing up, but as an adult, I really love like Frozen, Princess and the Frog, Tangled those kind of Mm. movies. I just, I love a kid's movie. Whereas these remakes kind of feel more like family friendly adult movies rather than kids films. So I just, I kind of just want them to stick to what they're good at and just keep animating because they're, they're the best of the best at animation. So why are they bothering to switch over into this live action sort of stuff? Yeah. Unfortunately, they've largely gotten away from 2d animation. So Carolyn just brought up a really great point in the Discord. I didn't even think about this. Carolyn asked, so so after How the Lion King went, what do you guys think about the upcoming Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatian, and other live action starring animals? (laughs) Didn't they already do a live action 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close in the 90s? They did. Great. That's the 90s. They don't need another one. No, they don't. Yeah, I think their only hope if they want these to succeed is to have really big voice actors like Beyonce. Like if, if if this Lion King didn't have such a good cast, I don't think it would have had such a good box office um, result right. with opening weekend. And honestly, every time Nala talked, that's who Beyonce vo- voiced. I was just thinking, oh, that's Beyonce as a lion, not, oh, that's Nala. Mm-hmm. And of course, Beyonce's mm-hmm. vocals are beautiful in the film, but she's also, look, no offense to Beyonce, but she's not that great of an actress. <laughs> like, there's this one line where she goes, "Lions attack!" <laughs> I was just like, "Uh, that didn't feel very real." Well, also that line in and of itself sounds pretty cringy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an actor who could pull that off. Lions attack! <laughs> it's like Avengers assemble. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, speaking of shaky confidence, a couple of weeks ago, we discussed how Twitter is finally, maybe, kind of, sort of, going to begin enforcing its terms of service by hiding offensive content from users whose communication is considered to be of public interest, like President Trump. So we figured we would look at a new study from our friends over at the Pew Research Center and turn this story into an edition of The Number. For anyone playing along at home, I will be reading through some statements and y'all will have to fill in the blanks with the appropriate number. In this case, the numbers are all percentages. Sound good? Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So for this first one, there's not actually a blank in it. So I'm going to prompt you for the percentage at the end, but everything else has a blank. The first one, a sizable majority of U.S. adults say social media companies have a responsibility to remove offensive content from their platform. What percentage? 65%. 78%. All right, Andrew, you were closest. It was 66%. Woo! So yeah, a pretty big chunk of people. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason I didn't go much higher is because I feel like people on the right really don't give a fuck about offensive material being on the platform. There are a lot of trolls out there, and I would say most of them are on the right, and they just don't think it needs to be removed. Well, 
It's interesting that you bring that up because there are going to be some numbers that come a little bit later that touch on your point. Um, But looking at the next one, however, just this percent have a great deal or fair amount of confidence in these companies to determine what offensive content should be removed. 15%. 25%. Jemima was closest. It was 31%. Ooh. Mm. The next one, a further twist. This percent say that in thinking about the kind of language people use, it is, quote, hard to know what others might find offensive. Uh, uh, 30%. I'll say higher, 40. All right, Andrew, you were closest. It was 48%. Mm. The next point, overall, this percent of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents say social media companies have a responsibility to remove offensive (laughs) content from their platforms. This is going to be low. 8%. Uh, 15. It's actually 52%. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. They care. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, you brought up the point of bots, Andrew. Um, It's worth pointing out that bots don't actually have political affiliations. Mm. They just work for the people who do, right? Mm -hmm. So I I thought some of the numbers this study laid out were really interesting because it caused me to challenge some of my own assumptions about what people like on the opposite side of the aisle from myself think about these kinds of issues. Um, Looking at the next one, this percent of Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents say social media companies have this responsibility. Um, 75. Yeah, I'll say higher, too. I'll say 70. All right. Jemima was closest. It's 77%, but you're both right on the money there. Um, So there's definitely a pretty big gap uh, in terms of like party affiliation when it comes to thinking that social media companies have this responsibility. Uh, Looking at the next point, majorities in both parties, X percent Republican and X percent Democrat, have very little or no confidence in social media companies' abilities to determine what offensive content should be removed. So what percent Republican and what percent Democrat? 65 and 85. 65 Republican, 85 Democrat. I'm going to go 50% Republican and 70% Democrat. This one was a surprising one. 76% Republican and 63% Democrat. Oh. That's because Democrats are in that San Francisco liberal bubble and they (laughs) trust their buddies to figure this out. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty big spread, but really neither party overall very much trust social media companies to be able to do this. So I think what we're learning here is that we found the one issue that Americans can agree on. (laughs) Social media is garbage. (laughs) We should all quit. Uh, Moving on to the next one. Among all Americans, women are more likely than men, X percent versus X percent, to say social media companies are responsible for removing offensive content from their platforms. Um, I'm going to say six, no, 70, no, 60% women and 50% men. I'm just going to agree. <laughs> well, you were off, but not by too terribly much. It's 72% women and 59% men. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
looking at the next point, when age is taken into account, only X percent of Republican men under 50 say social media companies have a responsibility to remove offensive content compared to X percent of Republican men aged 50 and older. I'll say 60 percent of Republican men under 50 and 30 percent of Republican men aged 50 and older. Yeah, I'm going to go about the same, but I think age 50 and older, they really don't give a fuck. I'd put that down at like 10%. So this is another interesting one. 34% of Republican men under 50 say that social media companies have this responsibility to 51% of Republican men aged 50 and older. So actually, older Republican men care more about this issue than younger Republican men, Mm -hmm. which is another big takeaway. Um, When you're looking at Democrats, there's really not that much of a split. Um, Age doesn't really throw off the numbers very much here. So based on these numbers, it looks like we can safely assume the majority of the public is pro-removal of offensive content. Why do we think platforms are so bad at enforcing this? Well, a couple things. Social media platforms are still so new that they haven't figured out how to do it. It's a shame that it's taking them so long, but this is a really big issue. And what's also big is the number of people that are on these social media platforms. So you need an incredible amount of manpower and algorithms and robots, I guess, to be able to find this stuff. And then you have to decide what actually should be removed and what should not. So you also got to toe that line because you don't want to piss off large groups of people as well. So there's there's just several big things in play here that are still going to unfortunately take a long time to iron out. I don't think we're ever going to have this problem solved. There's always going to be offensive content surfacing because when these platforms plug holes, the spammers, Russia, assholes on the internet are just going to find other ways to take advantage of these platforms. It's it's just going to be a never-ending problem. I think you're right. Um, I think it would be a pipe dream to say that we would never see anything offensive on social media. Um, but Jemima, I'm kind of curious to get your perspective on this because I know that you're pretty like entrenched in the online world. Yeah. Having like worked for BuzzFeed. Yeah, definitely. I think kind of, yeah, what Andrew is saying, it's such a big thing to police. Like how can you monitor every single tweet, every single Facebook post, every single Instagram? There's, it's really kind of an impossible thing to do. Um, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or if it was like other people that I was talking to about how they um, monitor the videos at Facebook about how like if, if someone flags a video as inappropriate, it gets sent to a log and there's like physical people sitting there going through every video and watching them and then marking them as safe or unsafe. It's like, how is, how are like just one small team of people meant to monitor every single video on the internet? It's, it seems impossible. Right. Yeah. And it's very subjective at that point, right? Because it's exactly. Like, yeah. It, it's sort true. of at the whims of whoever is monitoring it to decide whether or not it's offensive. And then I think some platforms have a board. If, if these moderators can't decide if they should stay up or not, then they pass it on to a board and a vote takes place. 
so this is also just a very slow moving process as well. Yeah. And it seems like they're kind of um, putting all their energy towards the wrong things sometimes. Like I <laughs> follow a lot of like Taylor Swift fans on Twitter and it's pretty common for fans to get, uh, for accounts to get suspended because they've reposted a photo that's like a paparazzi photo and Twitter's like, hey, you're not allowed to do that. You don't own it. And their account gets shut down for a week or something. It's like, okay, maybe they broke a rule there, but there are people sending death threats, but they're allowed to be doing that and just continue on their way. Yeah, it definitely feels um, like very administrative, tasky type approaches are kind of being used here as opposed to approaching it with like a bigger picture mentality of like we're going to specifically address what sorts of like broad topics are not acceptable on our platform Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and take a firm stance on those things as opposed to saying like oh we don't like this so we're going to ban this person or like limit this person's access but then the president of the united states can tell uh congresswomen to go back to where they came from and that's okay yeah i was really surprised that twitter didn't follow their own new policies that they instated that we spoke about on the show a week or two ago on those tweets yeah or at least a fact-checking thing I I would settle for that. I saw the greatest fact check tweet. Um, Somebody replied to him because they were talking specifically about um, Congresswoman Omar. And somebody replied and was like, Congresswoman Omar came here and became a citizen in 1992. She's been a citizen six years longer than your immigrant wife. (laughs) And I was like, ooh. That's good. Uh... Love it. So, yeah, I mean, if Twitter wants to react that way, I'm cool with that. I, I wonder if we're too hard on these platforms, because I'm just thinking about the physical world, how long it can take for things to get done. Like when you call 311 and request, hey, there's a dead animal sitting on the side of the road. I unfortunately had to witness it get hit by a car. It's sitting there. Can you remove it? Oh, yeah. OK, we'll get on that. The next day, I walk that same route. That dead cat is still there 24 hours later. People suck everywhere, digital world and physical world. I guess the question would be, is that cat still going to be sitting there eight years from now because Trump has been (laughs) violating Twitter's terms of service for at least that long? Um, I I don't begrudge these platforms for needing to take their time to figure out their approach to things, but they've had plenty of time. I'm not saying that there won't be new challenges that crop up and there won't be things that sort of like slip through the cracks. That's always going to happen. But there are clear and present examples of violations of terms existing on Twitter right now that they're not doing anything about. They've done Mm -hmm. it for some people like they banned fucking Milo Yiannopoulos who's very much of that same brand of like inflammatory offensive rhetoric that Trump is. And yet Trump gets to remain there because he's president. Right. Ban his personal account. Make him use the POTUS account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that way, all the shit he says get gets archived. <laughs> so... Uh, please don't remind me that all of Trump's <laughs> tweets are getting archived. <laughs> well, also, if you ever respond to him... <laughs> Your tweets might be archived too. What if he banned me? What if he violated the Constitution and banned me? 
Will those be archived, I wonder? I don't know. This president doesn't seem to have much uh, concern about violating the Constitution. So True. All right. Well, a few more things to get to in today's episode. But first, we have a new sponsor for Millennial Care Of. This is one of those companies that helps you lead a better life, and they have a clever way of doing it. Care Of is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs. You take a short quiz and answer questions about your diet, your lifestyle, fitness, and health goals, and Care Of puts together a personalized plan just for you. Give yourself support this season with a boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest, Care Of has you covered. I said they were clever. In order to send you your personalized packs of vitamins, Care Of asks you to take a quick, fun, and easy online quiz. It'll ask you questions about your diet, your health goals, lifestyle choices. It takes only five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically-backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. You answer simple questions like, how much sleep are you getting? Are you looking for more energy while podcasting for two hours at 6 p.m. on a Monday? Do you need something to make up for the fact that you never go outside because you're working on Hypable all day? Do you need something to improve your hair, your skin, your nails? It gets really personalized. Then Care Of delivers daily vitamin and supplement packs all customized to your needs. And depending on your plan, you'll get daily vitamin packs and or protein powder sent right to your door. Not only are these pills unique to you, but so's the wrappings. The packets not only say your name on them, but they'll give you a fun factor or quote each day. And that actually makes you look forward to taking your vitamins or your supplements because you're pulling out this what kind of feels like a trivia card every day. It's really fun. I've loved using Care Of because you know that these vitamins are for you. They're the ones you need. When you go to a store, no one's there to tell you what you should be taking, and there are a million freaking bottles sitting in the aisles. I swear vitamins take up an entire aisle now at the store, so you have no clue which one to go with and which are going to actually help you. Care Of knows what you need, and they go the extra mile by putting your vitamins in these individual packs So you just pop one out of the box every day. And by the way, since the pill packs are individually wrapped, you might be thinking, oh, sounds like a waste of plastic. Screw that. Well, they're actually made of compostable plant-based film. So the earth will actually eat them up. I want you to give these a try this summer. Give your body what it needs. For 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter M-I-L-L. Again, for 25% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code M-I-L-L, as in, you might feel like a million bucks <laughs> taking some uh, personalized vitamin supplements. Time now for an email, Laura, that we received. Yeah. Um, so this is from an anonymous emailer. They say, I was listening to the most recent episode and a thought occurred to me while listening to you read the email from the teacher who stated that they worked with someone who was arrested for having inappropriate relations with a student. I'm now a school psychologist, so I cannot imagine what it would have been like to find out that I was working with someone who was taking part in this type of behavior. But I do know some people who engaged in that type of behavior and got away with it. When I was in high school, which has been over 10 years ago now, one of my friends was in a relationship with a teacher who was also her basketball coach. 
The same year, another girl in the grade below me was in a relationship with another teacher who was also the assistant basketball coach, sensing a trend here. Everyone everyone suspected that these relationships were happening, and at one point, the police came to the school to question all of the students, but nothing came of it. The girls both denied that anything was going on, and therefore, the teachers got away with it. Fast forward to 10 years later, and both relationships are still ongoing. Of course, both couples waited until a year or two after graduation to announce that they were together. One couple is married with one kid, and the other couple is married with three kids. Every time I see them post pictures together on Facebook, I get a little sick to my stomach. I know that they're all adults now, but the fact that their relationship started when these girls were 15 or 16 years old, and when those men were supposed to be their teachers and mentors, makes me incredibly uneasy. Everyone from my high school friend group feels the same way, and honestly, it's something I don't think any of us will ever get over. Do any of you all know someone who was in a similar situation like this? Oof, no, I do not. Wow. Not that not that I know of. <laughs> not a student teacher situation. I don't know of one of those types of situations. However, I do know someone who was 15/16, my age, around my age at the time, um who was dating someone significantly older. Probably Ugh. close to 10 years. They were out of high school, they were well into college. And I still remember there were some concerns like, mm, this is a little too big of an age difference. In fact, somebody who worked with the older person actually sat this person down and was like, um, what are you doing? <laughs> this is weird. However, like these two couples in this anonymous email, the this couple are still together. So... You know, it's complicated because obviously it did work out for the best. On the other hand, yeah, it did start too young. I I did not know of something like this in my high school. And if I did, I probably would have been weirded out too. Yeah, something like this happened in my high school. But I was oh. in year seven and the girl who um, got with the teacher was in year 12. But um, so, yeah, it was a female teacher and a female student who was in like her final year of school. And they, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I remember hearing rumors. Um, basically, yeah, they hooked up and then the girl got expelled, the teacher got fired, and then they were together for like three or four years after that. It's hmm. just, I just, uh, I can't imagine staying in a relationship with someone. Like, okay, if you're 15 and you fall in love with someone and you think that they're the right person for you, okay, you're 15, you don't have the best judgment. But five years later when you grow up, aren't you realizing like, hang on, this guy took advantage of me or this person? I would hope so. But would and, you and- see that if you were still in love? I, I don't think you would see that. And see, that's... That's the that's the tough thing here is that I think kind of like what this emailer was saying had maybe these relationships started when these girls were actually adults and, you know, far removed from their high school careers. That would have been one thing. Um, I still think it would be weird to end up dating one of my high school teachers. But if everybody's actually an adult, then there's not really much I can say about that. Right. But 
when you're dating somebody who is a minor, that's grooming, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it really calls the rest of the relationship into question because the foundation of the relationship was grooming of a minor. You know, like they may be happy now, but to me personally, I'm sitting here thinking like, how much choice did you actually have here? Right. You have choice now because you're like presumably an adult with your own mind. But if that person sort of molded you and made you think this was acceptable, I can see why that would have a strong impact on your decision making later in life. So there are just a lot of concerns that come along with that. Did you two ever have a crush on a teacher? Yes. Yes. Same. (laughs) But it was when I was in college. (laughs) Oh, I had a crush on a teacher in middle school. I think that was my single crush. He was kind of, this was like one of my earliest moments of knowing I was gay. He was middle school math teacher, Mr. Barrett or Bartlett or something like that. And he had this like surfer vibe to him. He was a younger teacher. He was cute. Unfortunately, he didn't have a crush on me. Right. He did not um, sort of like take advantage of the, you know, power dynamics that were at play there. Right. And it's totally natural for a child to have a crush on a teacher. I don't think. Thank you. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The other (laughs) way around. The other way around is deeply fucked up. (laughs) Absolutely. But you know that happens in every school. Oh, yeah. I mean, as as I was saying in the last episode, it happened at my school. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ugh. Well, Jemima, let's talk to you about what you've been up to recently. So, what was it? About a year ago, you you were fired from BuzzFeed, right? Let go. Yeah, it was earlier this year. I was. Oh wow! I wasn't fired. I was let go, made redundant. Basically, um, half of the team, well, the whole editorial team um, in the Australian office, got made redundant. And I was offered a job to stay at BuzzFeed if I wanted to be a branded video producer. So basically making videos for brands, which is not something that I want to do. If I wanted to do that, I'd work for like an advertising company and get paid a lot more money. So, And that's something we're seeing a lot in online media right now. The quote unquote, pivot to video. Yeah. Exactly. And like, I did do quite a lot of videos while I was working there. I'd say that my job was 50% video, 50% written content, but um, I just wasn't comfortable doing 100% branded content. Like it's just not what I do. For anyone who doesn't know what that means, you'd be essentially making ads Yeah, that would run on BuzzFeed. I don't know how candid like you're comfortable being here, but did you enjoy working there? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, So I was working there for five years. So when I first started, the Australian office had just opened. So there were only four of us and it was really, really fun. I'd go in every day, like super excited to do work and because we had the freedom to do whatever we wanted, basically, as long as 50% of our content was 
for an Australian audience, so like about Australian things, we could do literally whatever we wanted. I mean, you know, within reason, but we could just come up with ideas and do them. And it was so fun and so creative and I learned so much and I um, gained so many new skills and I met so many amazing people and got really good opportunities. But in the last year and a half, I'd say the company kind of changed their priorities and started doing things very differently. And um, a few of us on the team voiced our concerns sort of saying like, hey, this isn't really the right thing to do. We should be thinking of our audience first before thinking about our business because without an audience, we don't have a business. So we need to be thinking about what the audience wants. But um, yeah, our feedback wasn't really listened to as much as we would have hoped. Um, And so we kind of ended up having to do a lot of work that we didn't really want to do. And I was kind of already thinking I was going to leave. And then I got offered a payout to go and I was like, okay, this is perfect. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's ideal. But it's also so unfortunate that that transition happened because that's sort of the dream, right? To want to do your work. Yeah, exactly. That's like... Every company that's trying to appeal to millennials right now is trying to sell us that package, right? Like, oh, you're going to want to come work here. Mm -hmm. You're going to be excited to come into the office every day, you know? Yeah. And I think some companies try so hard. They're like, we've got ping pong tables. We've got bean bags. We've got beer on tap. (laughs) You're going to have so much fun. It's like, no, that's not what it's about. It's about like actually taking pride in your work and sort of doing things that you believe in rather than doing things for a faceless company. I think that's the way to get people to enjoy what they're doing. Mm, yeah. So so you leave BuzzFeed and how soon after that did you decide, I'm going to start traveling to the world. I'm just going to buy a one-way ticket and get out of here for a while. So honestly, before I even signed my like termination papers. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go travel. Cause my, my original plan was to just work, keep working at Buzzfeed until June of this year and then travel for six months. Um, but then when I found out the severance package that I was getting, I was like, well, I don't have to work for six months to save up now so I can just go whenever I want. Um, and so in January, I decided that I was going to go as soon as I could But because I was going to Europe, I didn't want to go when it was cold. So I decided that I would just leave in April. So I had about six weeks from finishing up work to packing up all my stuff and leaving. Mm. So how many cities have you stayed overnight in now since April? Oh, my gosh. I haven't. It's been a lot. I did actually write down all the cities recently but i'd say it'd be 30 40 wow yeah so i've been to i don't even know how many countries i reckon nine nine or ten countries so far but some of them i've spent like three weeks in some of them i spent four days in um wow yeah and does do do you know people in every one of these places you're staying no i don't know anyone. Well, when I first came, I spent three weeks in London, just staying with some friends who live there. Um, but then other than that, I don't know anybody. So I'm just sort of meeting people along the way. That is so cool. 
It, it must is. be a little terrifying too. Yeah, totally. Especially because I am an introvert. Like I'm, I can be social sometimes, but I also really hate having to put myself out there and I hate like prolonged periods of socializing. Like I need time to myself. So, um, at yeah, first, I hear that. yeah, at first I was pretty scared. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be so lonely. I'm not going to meet anyone, but, um, I've been staying in hostels everywhere I go and it's pretty hard not to meet people in hostels. Cause you know, you're sharing a room with eight people. There's like always people in the common room, in the kitchen. Um, I've been doing like walking tours and things like that where you meet people and it's just comes down to if I'm feeling social that day, I'll go up to people and make conversations. And if I'm not, then I'll just sort of have a day to myself. And it's worked out really well. I've, I've made friends and like there was one girl I met in one city in Greece and we ended up traveling to like another country together. Just we kept traveling together for about 10 days because we got along really well and we had the same sort of travel style. So yeah, it's been wow. cool. So it sounds like you're learning a lot about yourself and, and sort of like how you can push the limits on self-sufficiency, which is really cool. I'm wondering if there's one big takeaway you've had so far about something that you realize, hey, actually, I can handle that. I didn't think I'd be able to before, but I learned that I can. Mm, I think probably just being comfortable in social situations. Like I never used Mm. to like talking to people that I didn't know beyond sort of just like random chit chat at parties and whatever. But now I've had to like sit in groups of people and talk and be comfortable. And um, I was kind of thrown in the deep end doing it this way. And at first I was a bit like, oh, I hate this, but I've definitely learned how to hold my own in a conversation and how to hold my own in a big group as well. That's awesome. We established this before starting the episode, I think, not on air. Where are you right now? So right now I am in Kosovo, which is the youngest country in Europe. It only became a country in 2008. Um, And it's actually one of my favorite places I've been so far. It's really, really cool. Where it's like 2.30 a.m. right now. So thank you. It is. Yeah. For staying up late and disturbing (laughs) your neighbors. Yeah. How do your hostel mates feel about you podcasting (laughs) at 2.30 in the morning? So I actually got an Airbnb for the night because I was like, I'm, where am I going to like call uh, these guys from? But they're oh like $30 a night. So I'm also oh, cool. really enjoying having space to myself. Like I was walking around naked. I was singing. I've spread my stuff out everywhere. I'm like, I've got my own space for the first time in ages. <laughs> that is a freeing feeling being, being able to walk around naked. Mm-hmm. I don't Do know you, how they'd feel about you doing that, like in Kosovo in the streets. Yeah, no, definitely shouldn't. Probably not. <laughs> Do you have any hostile horror stories from the past couple months? Oh, God. You know, it hasn't been as bad as I thought. There have been some real assholes, especially in countries that are like, or in cities that are um, real party cities. There are lots of like British stag do's and so the hostels are full of like drunk british guys um and they can be uh, like most of the time they're fine but there's been a few where they've been really really loud at night and once it was like two o'clock in the morning these guys came back they were 
watching um, some sport game on their laptop in bed together talking really loudly and me and this other girl who were in the room were like, hey, would you mind just being quiet? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. We've got to get up, you know, in a couple hours. And they're like, not too bad. You shouldn't have stayed in a hostel if you didn't want noise. Like, come on, guys. Like, you've got to be aware of people around you. But for the most part, it's fine. And also, like, we're all staying in a hostel because we're all on a budget. So why don't you shut the fuck up and be quiet? (laughs) And it's supposed to be noisy around the clock? F you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been kind of fine. I... Um, before this trip, whenever I used to stay in hostels, I would only stay in female dorms, but, um, usually that can be more expensive, which is a terrible Mm. thing that shouldn't be allowed. But so on this trip, I've been staying in mixed dorms and I was kind of worried about it. I thought it might be a bit sketchy, but it's been like completely fine. I didn't realize that they did the pink tax thing on dorms. (laughs) Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I guess they figure women really want that and they'll they're willing to pay extra. That's it. Exactly unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what tips do you have for traveling on a budget? If we want to do this, what tips can you give us? So my number one tip would be choosing countries that are cheap to travel in. So I have only been in like Central and Eastern Europe, basically. I do really want to travel around Western Europe, but it is so expensive. Like the amount of money I'd spend here, like in the Balkans in a week would probably last me maybe a day or two in Italy or France or something like that. So yeah, before I left, I, um, I looked up all the countries that I wanted to go to, or basically I looked up all the countries in Europe and kind of wrote down the average price per day that you'd be spending in all of them. And then I kind of prioritized the cheaper countries from there. And they weren't countries that I ever thought that I'd want to go to. Like I never would have thought that I would want to go to Slovakia, but then I found out it was really cheap and then I went there and it was amazing. So yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. That kind of um, pre-planning is good. And also I just, I love planning things ahead of time. So I don't like book anything in advance, but before I go to a new country, I'll do a lot of research on the internet of things to do, like the best places to eat for cheap, um, things to do that are free or really cheap, cheap or free walking tours, things that are going to be really budget friendly. And then I compile them all in like a Google doc. I've got a huge master Google doc. That's like 50 pages of like all my countries in there under subheadings so that like when I get to a country, I've got that list there so that if I'm like, oh, I want to go out and eat somewhere, I don't have to spend ages looking for a cheap place. I've got a list right there. That's so cool. Yeah. You should publish this one day too. Seriously. Jemima's Journeys. Ooh, I love that. Okay, it's funny you said <laughs> that. Name of the episode. I have, so I have like a blog and a YouTube channel and it's just my name, which is fine. It's like I've got a pretty unique name, which is good. But um, every time I tell it to people, they're like, okay. I was like, I think I need to get something more catchy. And I was thinking Jemima's Journeys. Oh, really? But, <laughs> do it. Yeah, I was because it sounds really good, but I just haven't gotten around to changing it. I don't know if I, if, if, if it sounds good enough. 
I think it I'm does. looking at your YouTube channel now. I just followed. You, oh, you've been pretty busy on here. Yeah. It's been really fun making videos of everywhere I go. And now I've kind of got these memories of the places that I've been so that in a couple of years I can look back and remember everything I've done. We'll have to put a link to this in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, um, and like, what do you travel around with? Are you a suitcase, two suitcases? I just have one backpack. Um, it's like pretty big. Uh, like it's not carry on size or anything um, because I've got winter clothes and summer clothes that I'm carrying around, which is extremely irritating because it's now super hot. It's like 35 degrees every day or whatever that is, 100 Fahrenheit. Um, and I'm carrying around boots and a winter coat. So I've got a big bag. I think it's like 15 kilos. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a lot of wearing the same clothes all the time and a lot of doing laundry in sinks and um, mm -hmm. living sort of basically. But one backpack, that's impressive. Yeah, I am notoriously amongst my friends a very light packer. Usually <sighs> if I'm going on a trip that's a couple of weeks long, I will just do carry-on baggage only. Um, I'm actually going to the U.S., um, in about a month, I'm going to go travel around for six weeks and I'm going to dump all of my stuff at my friend's place in London and just going to do the US with carry on because it's so much easier to, to just have one small bag than lugging mm -hmm. something huge and having to check it in on planes. Yeah. Where all in the US will you be going? I have no idea. So my original plan, I really wanted to spend three months there going to all the different national parks and doing all the hiking and stuff. Um, oh. but it's come to my attention that it is not easy to travel around the US like it is in Europe. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to need a lot of money or a car. Um, and I don't really want to rent a car if I'm by myself. So, um, I really have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm flying into New York. Um, I'm actually going to New York for the, um, Taylor Swift album release, I'm going with a bunch of friends and just going nice together i guess um yeah and then i don't know i've i've got to figure that out you might want to look into megabus um, yeah. especially since you're going to be flying into new york because you can get pretty good bus fares out of the city to other cities on the east coast so that might be a good place to start yeah that's a good tip i'll look into that just gonna see if i can find anyone who wants to like road trip or do you know, split the cost of a car rental or something. Cause you I can really hitchhike, not. just hitchhike across the country. No, that's no, that, that. please don't well, do that. But you carry a gun <laughs> and you should be okay. Oh, good okay. Lord. You could probably get one fairly easily. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Have you, do you have like a bunch of new friends now who you're keeping in touch with maybe, or at least like Facebook friending these people that you meet in these different places? Cause I just, it sounds like one of the most one of the best parts about this experience is how many people you're meeting. I think you said that earlier, but are you, are you planning on keeping in touch with them? Yeah, I've been like adding a lot of people on Facebook and Instagram, and it's good because um, now I've got people that I can stay with when I go to um, like London or when I go. There's a few people I met who are um, in the US, and a lot of Australians. Everywhere I go, there are just Australians everywhere. So yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah. Literally we're everywhere. That's um, cool though. 
Yeah, it's cool. I've made some friends that I think I'm going to be in contact with for quite a while. Gotten any feelings for anybody out of the bars or something? I did have one drunken hookup when I was in Budapest because I was like, I'm in Budapest. I may as well. (laughs) Nice. That was great. I feel like I would like fall in love with somebody in a random city and then I would like have to go move there forever. And then I'd be so annoyed because I'd have to move back to this random city. I never intended on visiting more than once. (laughs) But yeah, that's cool because you just like just on a whim, you're meeting these people and then just by luck and then you might end up being friends with these people for the rest of your life. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is really crazy, especially because most of the people I've met have just been like, super random like we'll be making conversation over nothing and then flash forward two weeks later and we're still hanging out like yeah it's it's pretty cool it's like a lot of chance encounters and um I've been doing a lot of like because I haven't been booking anything in advance I haven't been planning any routes so I basically just sort of ask people where have you been or where are you going do you have any recommendations that's why I'm in Kosovo because my original plan was just to visit Albania and Montenegro um, and spend four weeks there. But then everyone was like, Kosovo is really cool. So now I'm in Kosovo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really cool. You're giving me like Cheryl Strayed vibes, the woman who wrote Wild. Oh, yeah. I feel like you should write a book about all this. Yeah, I do really want to write a book. But um, I just feel like everybody's like come Doing to Europe it. and traveled and like found themselves. I need to find yeah. a different angle. So I don't want to be that one white girl who's like, oh, my God, I'm a totally different person now. Your angle is the Budapest hookup. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jemima's journeys, one night in Budapest. <laughs> no, it's you could call it getting booty in Budapest. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I'll write that one down. <laughs> mm. So, all right. Well, cool. This, this is this is super interesting. And we're going to follow you on YouTube. And like I said, we'll put a link in the show notes for anybody who's interested in seeing what you're up to. Kind of a random question for you. You as has become established, I think you've made a, c- a couple references to her. Uh, what do you think of Taylor Swift in this new Cats trailer? Because that was that was wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a fan, I think I'm contractually obligated to say that I like it. No, I um, I don't really know what the hell is going on here. I'm going to go watch it, but I think I'm going to have to be drunk for it because I've seen Cats like as a musical and I still don't know what it's about or why it's a thing. And this movie is very perplexing. The cast is insane. I Never thought I'd live to see the day where Jason Derulo and Judy Dench are in the same movie. Right? <laughs> Rebel and Wilson. as cats. Yeah. And also <laughs> the cats are all life, like, it's like life-size. So all the chairs and tables are huge and the giant doors. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah. it's I, I found it really unsettling. <laughs> like, and yeah. also, like, I don't know. It's just, why do they have people butts? They're cats <laughs> and they have boobs. Why do they have boobs? Yeah, it's so weird. I actually saw somebody uh, recut the trailer and set the music to be the music from the Us trailer, <laughs> and that it fits so perfectly. I was like, "Yeah, this is really kind of creepy and unsettling." I don't know if this is what they're going for. I hope it is because it's. Yeah. I was shook and not 
not in the good way. <laughs> so Jemima, a couple of closing questions here on this traveling. Um, <laughs> kind of awkward that we've wedged cats in there now, but <laughs> I do have a couple <laughs> more questions, actually. How much longer are you planning on, on traveling around for? So I truly don't know. I have to be back in Australia for my best friend's wedding in February. So I'll be going back by February. Um, wow. I'm what I'm thinking is, um, so yeah, I'm going to the U S until like for six weeks and then I'm coming back to Europe in October. And then I think I'll try and, um, stay in one place for a while. So there's like, um, something called work away where you can work for someone in exchange for food and accommodation. And usually you'll be working at a hostel or you'll be working on a farm. So I think I want to do that for a month in Italy and just oh, that's cool. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then I think I'll just like reassess my funds at that point. Cause I am sort of working a little bit while I'm traveling, but not enough to sustain me forever. So I'll mm-hmm. just kind of figure it out from there. Is this workaway.com? I'm not sure. Okay. So the thing is the actual workaway, you have to pay 35 euros to sign up for. And as I'm on a budget, I'm not going to do that. But I found some like other similar sites that you don't have to pay for. That's like I see. backpackerjobs.com or helpx.com, that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, if you're willing to teach English, you can probably find a job. Yeah, that much was anywhere. on my list of things to try and do. I, I made a friend um, a couple of weeks ago who's living in Spain at the moment and she has been living there for two years um, just teaching English and she's having the time of her life. It seems pretty awesome. So I think I'm going to look into that as well. And as an Australian, it's very easy to get a um, working visa for most European countries. So hmm. that's very handy. That's awesome. And another yeah. very cool thing about your experience, I think this goes without saying, but it's just that you never know what surprises are in store. I mean, just think of all the experiences that are still ahead and who knows what these things will lead to, whether it's relationship-wise, friendship-wise, career-wise, making life decisions, you know, one thing leads to another. It's just a really exciting uh, blank page ahead of you. And yeah. I, I really admire that. And I think for anybody listening who might be feeling maybe a little lost or, you know, just not sure what they want to do next in life. This is this is an interesting thing to consider, especially when there are these workaway programs where you you can go live somewhere else and still make money, the money that you need, uh, you know, to live there. So this is really cool. Yeah, definitely. I think solo traveling is something that everybody should do at least once. I mean, maybe it's not Mm -hmm. suited for everyone's personality types or whatever, but even just short trips, like before this trip, I would always go away on um, little holidays, like two week trips on my own. And you just gain so many skills. You learn so much about yourself. It's so much easier to meet people when you're alone. Cause if you go on a holiday with a friend, you're not really going to bother sort of getting out of your comfort zone because you've got someone to hang out with all the time. Um, it just you get so many experiences that you wouldn't get if you weren't by yourself. I love traveling by myself. I love driving by myself across this country. I've I've done it numerous times and I just feel so at peace when I'm on the road mm-hmm. with just nothing in front of me and you know, just time to think and clear your head. 
So I I really hear that. And when you're alone, as as we heard you say, you know, it forces you into these situations where introverts like us are are forced to actually socialize and then you meet some cool new people. So it's yeah, good stuff. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all that, Jemima, and good luck with your travels. I can't wait to see uh, where you go next. Yeah, yeah I'm going to live vicariously through you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should just do the same thing. Just quit your job and travel. Like it's, I, I think I, I was, I was always kind of, it's one of these things I always wanted to do. And then I was like, oh, but I should, you know, focus on my career, blah, blah, blah. But then I thought when I'm 40 years old and looking back, am I going to wish that I'd done this? Yes. So I may as well Absol- just do it. Absolutely. That, that is a really great point. Yep. Yep. Worst thing that happens, I just go home early with no money and live at my parents' house. Like it's yeah. really not that bad. Well, and, and yeah, and you'll start new. You'll find something else. I mean, yeah. you're already a very accomplished person who knows how to fend for herself <laughs> seemingly anywhere. <laughs> and uh, if, if you could do that, I think you can make it anywhere. Yeah. Kind of cool resume material too. <laughs> Went through 40 yeah. cities and lived to tell the tale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, before we move on to surprise bitch, we wanted to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Rothy's. Rothy's is the company making insanely stylish and comfortable flats that go with anything from yoga pants to skirts. I love my Rothy's, which I've had for a little over a year now for any reason. I wear mine almost every day to work and pretty much any time I need to dress up an outfit. They offer these really playful designs that add a pop of color to any outfit while still looking polished and professional. What's really cool is that these shoes are stylish and sustainable. Since Rothy's are seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles, they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slide them on. There is zero break-in period with these shoes. Another major bonus, they're machine washable. Every time they need a refresh, you can simply toss them in the washing machine and get a fresh pair as needed. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L today. Time now for... Surprise! Surprise! Surprise, bitch! Today we're going to call Jonathan down in Puerto Rico. Hello? Jonathan! Surprise, bitch! It's Millennial! Hi! Hola, amigos! (laughs) Hola! (laughs) You, first of all, you're probably the first listener who we've called down in Puerto Rico, and I'm I'm glad we're calling you because a lot has been going on down there, Mm -hmm. hasn't there? Yeah, I remember you were calling last week, and thank God you called next week because a lot of things have happened in only in a span of 10 days yeah yeah Yeah. well so so what's been going on right now there have been some protests over no it's yeah it started all with two arrested secretariat of of education and health that got basically charged with corruption charges and then a leak shadow of I think it was 900 pages leaked, and the governor doesn't look well. There were comments about misogyny, that shit. I remember there's a lot. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, I think I also read that there were some comments 
the governor had made making fun of people who died in Hurricanes Irma and Maria. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, they were basically making fun of the cadavers that were piling up in the morgue. So that isn't very well when all the people of Puerto Rico were suffering during that time. And they're basically, during that span of time, they were basically, I don't know how to mention this, but they were like giving away contracts to their friends. So during the whole catastrophe, they were basically doing corruption while the people of Puerto Rico were, were suffering. That's disgusting. So we're recording on Monday night. Do you think the governor is going to step down in light of all these protests and outrage? Well, I'm I'm very proud of the people of Puerto Rico right now because they're going outside protesting every day since the shot went viral. And I hope that they still have the energy to go on because I feel like he's nowhere near to resigning right now. Yeah, the last I saw, he was he said he wasn't going to run again but he also won't resign. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't, he's currently power like a little kid and that's the only, the only thing that he has left because everyone, well, not everyone in his political party has gone like, I'm trying to find my words in English. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's hard because everything of all this information I've been given in Spanish, so it's a little bit hard, like translating it. But everyone in his political party is not like giving him the support. So it's basically everyone in Puerto Rico telling him to resign, and he doesn't get the message. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's like Trump, <laughs> right? <laughs> basically. <laughs> And speaking of our esteemed president, what I, I can only imagine what the sentiment in Puerto Rico is when it comes to Trump. I feel like the hardest one when was after Maria when he started throwing the paper towels and saying all those negative comments about the mayor of San Juan. I feel like that's when when everyone basically hated him. I remember watching the news with my parents because that was the only thing we got in the hurricane so everyone in my family hated him everyone in work hates him so yeah yeah but there's still crazy persons that still support him here oh really wow <laughs> yes that is pretty surprising yeah and what i guess just in general because um i i think this is one of the more disgusting things about sort of like u.s domestic policy is that in Puerto Rico, you don't get to vote for the president yeah, who has the ability I, to send I, you I, to war. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the, the most disgusting, disgusting thing that I have done is Promesa, the bill that ran the Puerto Rico, the Control Fiscal Board. And they're basically doing whatever they want to the budget, slashing budget for education, health, for everything or the police, security. So they're basically not accountable for the people of Puerto Rico, and they're making up the decision on how the money is going to be split during and the year. Just... And, if, and they, if the fiscal control doesn't approve it, so we don't have a new budget. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I know this is a bit of a loaded question, and feel free to let me know if it's not a super easy question to answer. Um, but it seems like every few years... There's a referendum in which Puerto Rico votes to either, uh, you know, try to become a state 
or to try and become independent. I was just curious to know what your feelings are on that topic. Well, so, yeah, I think the last one was a couple of years ago. And the one before that was in 2012, if I'm not not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're useless because every one of them has been non-biting referendums. So until there's dividing one, I think that what they're doing right now, it's not like, I remember saying that it was a waste of time and money because they're not going to lead us anywhere. First, we had to get off the, this economic depression that had, has lasted 13 years. And after that, we had to think about the relationship with the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So I, don't, I don't feel like that's, that, that, that matters for me right now. But for a lot of people, they want statehood. And that's the only thing they want. Mm-hmm. So the results from the other referendum were on point. Everyone doesn't want to be independent, and the ones that want to stay with the relationship with the U.S. are dwindling. So basically, everyone wants statehood. Mm-hmm. And to end this on a bright note, what are some of your favorite aspects of Puerto Rico? I mean, everything. I love living here. I've yeah. been to the U.S. a couple of times, and always, it's always been for a short time of period. And I would think, uh, remember. Uh, going back home, the food, the beaches, the national rainforest, everything about Puerto Rico is beautiful. Yeah. And the impact that is having right now in Spanish music. So it's kind of an amazing place to live. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it seems like it. You've been there you, your whole life, you told me. What um, What do you do there for a living? Uh, right now, I'm an, an industrial engineer for a biomanufacturer biomanufacturing facility here in Puerto Rico. Damn, that sounds super smart. Are you a genius? <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not close. I bet you are. Uh, you, you definitely sound like one. You're I smarter mean, than I us. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I've been listening to you guys, so it's awesome that you called me. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And by the way, your English is great. Honestly, yeah. like very fluent. It's also super impressive because you're hearing us like over like your cell phone, I presume. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I feel like makes it a little harder. So congratulations on your English. Yeah, it's I really, always, really good. I always tell the people that my English gets even better when I'm drunk. <laughs> when yeah. you're drunk. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> you said you've been listening to us for a while. Could we take credit for your English? Maybe Did we teach you? Not really. I've been since I was like four years old. So. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> right. No, but uh, I, I love you guys. Oh, well, thank you very much, Aww. Jonathan. We love you too. As a final question, quickly, if there was anything that, that people outside of Puerto Rico could be doing to help, what would it be? Oh, my God. That's a little question because last time I remembered the podcast you did with about Hurricane Maria and you told that the people to an airport. Fondo Unido for Puerto Rico, which was the charity that the first lady was leading, was mm-hmm. basically corrupt. <laughs> and they yeah. didn't. Yeah. It's, I don't think stay informed and, yeah, stay informed. There's a good podcast about that the New York Times did like a week ago, explaining all the things that's been happening right now. So listen and stay informed. 
All right. Awesome. We can do that. Thank you, Jonathan. Have a good night. Thank and thanks you. for your support. Have a good night, you too, guys. All right. Bye. bye. All right. Time now for recommendations. We all forgot my reference earlier in the episode, right? So I would like to recommend Downton Abbey. Um, <laughs> I actually watched this show a long time ago when it was airing. But the movie's coming up. Did you two know a movie is coming? Downton Abbey, yeah. the movie? Yeah. I never watched Downton Abbey, so. Yeah, neither. Well, mm. this mom is very excited. And Pat had never seen Downton Abbey before. So we're starting to binge it. And we only got in one. We're, we're only one episode in. But I forgot how good it is. It's it's a good series to kick back with. So if you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. It just makes me happy. I <laughs> I had a, some confusion with Downton Abbey one time. Don't remember if I talked about this, but my mom's a really big fan. And so she was watching it and I was kind of in the next room over. And all of a sudden, I hear this like really prim proper, like upper class British accent go, I'm getting quite concerned about ISIS. And I was like, what? (laughs) I thought Downton Abbey was like a long time ago. Is it current? And turns out the dog's name is ISIS. Yeah. Unfortunate naming. (laughs) I couldn't have thought of any other name. A little weird. Yeah, well, I'm sure there was a reason. Uh, my recommendation is this book called What Would Skeletor Do? <laughs> um, I'm a really big Skeletor fan. Um, I just, I enjoy, like, his way of speaking. I think that he's, like, a hilarious slapstick um, villain. And uh, my friends know me to be a pretty big Skeletor fan. So actually, Mark's like current roommate got this for me for Christmas, but the book wasn't actually like available at that point, And it just got shipped to him a little while ago. And it's basically just a bunch of like, how would Skeletor handle like these relationship situations or workplace situations? And it's fucking hilarious. So... <laughs> If you love Skeletor like I do, I highly recommend this book. <laughs> you must be super hardcore because I'm looking at it on Amazon. It has one star. <laughs> Five <laughs> well, customer just, reviews. Like it basically, my friend had to pre-order it and I guess it just got printed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like brand new. Yeah, that's funny. So while I've been traveling, I've been using only, but pretty much only solid toiletries and beauty products, which I recommend everyone look into because it's good for the planet and usually good for your skin because it's all natural. But the one thing that I absolutely love is this um, cleansing butter. It's basically like a solid cleanser, which is from the body shop. It's called chamomile cleansing butter. And it is magic. I swear you just sort of like rub a little bit on your face and it takes off your makeup so well. Like I'll have waterproof mascara on and I just rub this into my eyes not into my eyes but like around my eyes (laughs) then just wash it off with cleanser and it's the best makeup remover I've ever ever used and um it's good because you don't need like makeup wipes or tissues or um cotton balls so you're not creating any waste and uh it's in like a little tin so it's not even using heaps of plastic like you'd get with normal makeup removers so very, very good. Sounds like it's great for a traveler. Correct. Yeah. And I've got like solid shampoo, solid face wash, solid sunscreen, heaps of solid stuff that's really, really good. Cool. Yeah. 
Hey, we would really appreciate a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you use. If you could uh, give us, you know, a fair and honest review, we would really appreciate it just to freshen up those reviews in the various podcast directories. And thanks to everybody who has done that. If you'd like to contact us about it, anything we've said today, feel free to email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. And don't forget about our confessional if you want to submit something anonymously. And you can also follow us on social media. Millennial Show is the username on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Laura, what's coming up in After Dark today? Uh, We took a really fun political typology quiz from Pew Research Center. Um, So this episode's pretty heavy on Pew, but you guys know that I love them. Pew, pew, pew! (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of really interesting data that came out of this. And we also got some of our patrons to take the quiz as well. So we'll be able to look into what results they got. Okay. So that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. And it's because of Jemima's support over there on Patreon that she is co-hosting today. And Jemima, thanks so much. It's been so great having you on and you'll be with us for After Dark too. But just wanted to say thank you now. You are awesome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Jemima's like a, you know how there's gold star gays? Jemima's a gold star podcast listener because now she's co-hosted MuggleCast and Millennial. Yeah. Wait, what is... You said Gold Star what? Gold Star Podcaster? Yeah, but you said Gold Star something before that. Gold Star Gay. What does that mean? Why don't you guess? (laughs) I don't know. Do you know Jemima? Yeah, I do. Should I Google this? I'll Google it. Go ahead. No, Jemima, tell her. Tell her. It's a gay who's never slept with like a woman or, or a man if you're a lesbian. Oh, okay, got it. Pop quiz, Laura, am I a gold star gay? Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Until I get to Budapest and meet a woman. There are a lot of benefits at patreon.com slash millennial and your support keeps this show rocking and rolling. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much for everybody's support. So Jemima, since you are the guest for the day, we want you to pick the closing song. I didn't prepare you for this, but I assume you'll want to do something, Taylor Swift. Well, actually, a song that I have been listening to on repeat for the last couple of days is the new Hayley Kyoko song called I Wish. Okay. It's very good. I highly suggest everyone listen to it. I mean, you have to now because it's the outro song. (laughs) All right. And that we will do. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Jemima. Bye. Bye. You shut down when I tell you all the shit I want. We put heads. You don't pay me no attention. And you selfish with your affection. Yeah. You don't like when I decide to speak my mind. No, you don't like that I do what I want like all the time. We butt heads, cause you don't pay me no attention. And you're selfish with your affection. Ooh. I wish, I wish, I wish I found.